Hi, this is Lindsey Miller, and you're listening to the Arkansas Times Weekly Podcast, recorded Friday, July the 1st. On this week's edition, we're going to catch up on a terrible stretch of decisions from the U.S. Supreme Court, talk about the blockbuster January 6th testimony this week, an ethics scandal in the Arkansas Senate, and maybe some more. I'm joined, as usual, by Max Brantley. Hello there. So, uh, the last 10, 12 days of the U.S. Supreme Court were, I, I think, largely predicted that that all the decisions that came down all the the very momentous decisions that came down would 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 be bad and uh we knew they were coming but still it feels like such a blow and that's of course highlighted by the the uh end of recognition of a constitutional right to abortion i'm so depressed i mean the horrors are just you know Gun control, dead. Abortion rights, dead. Uh, Miranda warning, dead. Uh, No way they're going to ever get into cops' immunity from being sued over brutalizing people. Uh, Indigenous people's rights in Oklahoma, dead. Environmental regulation, dead. Uh, School prayer prohibition, dead. It's, I mean, the, the... you get no satisfaction from saying the obvious, which is this is an ideological bunch of activist judges intent on imposing their political views on the law. And that's the very thing that they always used to accuse liberals of doing. Unfortunately, they weren't nearly as successful at it. And the really bad news is, of course, several of these things have potential impact. The reason they use the abortion ruling is, is famously Clarence Thomas said, could be used to overturn uh, rights to contraception and overturn rights to have same-sex sexual relationships and overturns the right to same-sex marriage. He didn't include uh, the right to interracial marriage because that would affect him, but I, I think you could extend that to the to the same place. But even worse, they've, they've agreed to take a case, which means they've got at least four justices for it, that clearly could be a roadmap to let Republican legislators take total control of the election process at the federal level anyway, and uh, just institutionalize minority control of the U.S. House and Senate by state legislative means. I mean, we already have it, and it's it's horrifying. And, I, I, I'd, you know, uh, Joe Biden says, he, well, he's finally said he might be willing for a one-shot sealed in the filibuster to, to codify a right to abortion at the federal level. But at the moment, I don't think he has the votes to, to do that. And, uh, but there's just so much out there that, that that's to come and it's all bad. And I, I you know, I, I don't think it, I don't think he could pass an expansion of the Supreme court. And he says he doesn't want to do it. I, I mean, the, the sad thing to say, and I'm not threatening anybody here, but the only real solution would be some well-timed deaths. That's that's really the only the only option. Well, let's let's focus in on on Roe. Uh, that was the big news last week. We didn't record. I was I was out, and Austin Bailey was running around covering things. But uh, of course, Arkansas had a trigger law, so it it. Uh, um, Abortions were immediately seized here in the state. Uh, And and just let me throw in, because this came up in other states, but not in Arkansas, I think largely because it's just so hopeless. 
But in theory, a decision like that takes about 25 days to become final. It doesn't become effective. That is the Supreme Court decision until it's sent back to the lower court for a mandate. But in any event, yes, as a practical and real matter, abortion became illegal at midweek last week, and nobody's providing them legal anymore in Arkansas. Uh, you had the the typical crowing from uh, Arkansas lawmakers, Leslie Rutledge cried during a press release, press conference. Um, you've you've seen Jason Rapert, who's a, a lame duck senator, uh, go on um, talk to national media about how Arkansas needs a law that prohibits women from crossing state lines to to receive abortions. Uh, that that surely is is a long shot in any special session, but who knows? Well, I mean, they will try, and they've been supportive of of every draconian measure that that's been handed to him to date, and I don't know where they'd stop. Asa Hutchinson said on uh, CBS Morning News this morning that he wouldn't sign such legislation because he thought it violates the Interstate Commerce Clause, and he noted that Brett Kavanaugh, in his concurring decision on overturning Roe, said he didn't think the decision could be used to stop interstate travel of women to seek a, a legal abortion in the state that provides them. But one, I don't trust Brett Kavanaugh. Two, just because Asa says he won't sign a bill, doesn't mean it won't become law. He didn't sign the bill that uh, that did a lot of terrible things to Arkansas women. They banned abortion without exceptions for rape, incest, or health of the mother, or or for minors. So I, I, you know, I think those are just empty words for the most part. Can they get the votes together to add that to a special session agenda? The governor won't put it on there. Uh, it takes two thirds votes to do it. I, you know, who knows? And and there'll be other things. They'll try and suppress First Amendment rights to advertise options for women. I think, uh, you know, I know that Planned Parenthood remains in business in Arkansas, providing family planning services and OBGYN care and sexually transmitted disease testing. And, and I think they will tell women who are facing problem pregnancies, what their alternatives are, that is where there might be places to go and that sort of thing. And perhaps telling them about some some growing uh, abortion access support groups that are forming and trying to get bigger in Arkansas. But I suspect there'll be efforts to shut those people up. And they may do it by the Texas means of a vigilante thing where somebody has a, a whole harmless ability to file a complaint against somebody that might be right and it might not be right, and and but creates huge legal problems. And, and if they pass a, a no, an interstate uh, movement law, yeah, I mean the odds are a lawsuit would win. But but what woman is going to say I'm willing to risk getting thrown into a lawsuit and violating the law? I, it's it's just terrible. That's all. I, I just don't really see a, a good one unless. Unless and nationwide, there seems to be a real pushback. And, and in Arkansas, I don't think we're any different than the nation at large. Every poll over the years has shown at least a bare majority wants abortion to remain legal in Arkansas, if under very limited and restricted circumstances. And so might there be some pushback? I, I, I just don't know. If there is, maybe that would affect what the legislature does. The, the outrage is 
is huge and palpable. And whether that gets through the thick skulls of Arkansas legislators, I just don't know. All right, well, let, let's move on and talk about uh, the January 6th commission's uh, surprise hearing this week featuring Cassidy Hutchinson, the uh, former aide to uh, Mark Meadows, Donald Trump's chief of staff. Uh, were you able to, to catch it all? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It was wonderful. She was a very believable witness, and she was present for a lot of the activity that was going on. And she's very close to Mark Meadows, who clearly was an advocate and for Trump's view that he'd encourage the insurrection and fight the fight the reality of an election victory by Joe Biden. Some of what she said was hearsay. It's true. Uh, you know, there's some small, apparently there's going to be the Secret Service guy who went on Trump's staff and is a total Trumper who might differ with some of her description of what she was told, and she didn't say she witnessed it, about Trump uh, not wanting wanting to drive to the Capitol and be a part of the insurrection. Uh, but, but it's on the record, including from these people, that Trump did want to go to the Capitol. Yeah, that, and, that was color. And, you know, that was, that was a nice, a, a nice, <laughs> nice air quotes, a crazy detail, but it was such a small thing, and the the that so many people are focusing on that is a classic so. Trump thing. Find one little thing that you can say is not correct, and somehow that blows up the whole story. Everything. I mean, the, the record is just couldn't be clear that there were any number of Trump people that were doing all they could do to prevent Joe Biden from becoming president. And that there were people close to Trump who were horrified by the riot at the Capitol and tried to get him to say something. And he just wouldn't do it because he liked what was going on. And he approved of the notion of people talking about hanging Mike Pence. The, the big stuff is real. I, I was interested today to hear Asa Hutchinson kind of step up his criticism of Donald Trump. He said on CBS Morning News that. Trump had disqualified himself from running for president again, that he'd acted irresponsibly both before and on January 6th. Now, he's still saying he's not convinced that the January 6th committee has proved a criminal act by Trump, and he's raised the normal Republican bullshit about lack of cross-examination and opposing viewpoint, which can only be blamed on Kevin McCarthy, the Republican House leader. But he, but he's saying pretty strongly that, that Trump clearly uh, isn't fit to be president. And so, I, I mean, I guess I think that there's a lot of signs that that feeling is taking hold among more Republicans. I don't know if you could call it a majority, but whether he has you hear about a lot of focus groups with Republicans being held in which. You know, they're still Republican. Liz Cheney, pretty good case in point. I mean, she's a conservative Republican. Her politics are terrible on just about everything. But she doesn't think Donald Trump's fit to be president. And I, I think that that I think these hearings are getting through uh, by one means or another. And so that's a good thing. But so far in Arkansas, no one else has made a peep about this. No, I mean, the craven, cowardly Arkansans, except for Asa. Uh, with that one exception, but our congressmen, they're just cowardly turds, you know, I mean, they were, they just won't, in the face of this overwhelming testimony, all from Republicans, by the way, 
they just won't say a peep. They they dare not cross the Trumpers in Arkansas. It's it's the worst. Con- it's of all the bad commentaries on our state, that may be the worst. Uh, of course, nothing from Sarah Huckabee Sanders, who has oh, no. been hiding out for for weeks. No, she's up speaking in Montana, I think. I mean, she's doing her hiding out act. You just do wonder, will there ever be an opportunity for somebody to ask her a question about this? And I, I just, Will there be a one-hour debate on PBS? Will a, a reporter be allowed to get within 10 feet of her and ask her a question? Is there a reporter left in Arkansas who would ask the question? I don't know. All right, well, closer to home, uh, there was an ethics uh, scandal in the Arkansas Senate, or I guess there continues to be. Uh, t- tell us about the, the details. Yeah, well, it was, it, it, it was apparently uh, Senator uh, Mark Johnson, uh, on the day the Senate met with Boys State, and there's a little committee that's appointed to meet with Boys State when they meet, uh, directed the Senate staff to sign in Alan Clark as having been there so he could get his $215 worth of per diem and mileage for attending. He wasn't there. He didn't go. And uh, Jimmy Hickey got wind of it, I think because a staff member resisted okaying a payment to Clark for a meeting he didn't attend, although the very specifics of the detail we don't know because the Senate Ethics Committee met in secret for three days on this, taking, taking I guess, testimony. I don't know if people were sworn or not. And But decided, somewhat to my surprise, because it was a Republican majority committee and it includes people that are really from the Alan Clark, Mark Johnson camp, particularly committee chair Kim Hammer, voted unanimously to reprimand them and, and pretty much said flatly that Mark Johnson signed for Clark when he knew Clark wasn't going to be there and Clark asked for Johnson to do it knowing he wasn't going to be there. Now, since since then, there are a few other little things have come out. I I got sent an email that Johnson sent to somebody who asked him about this, and he's got some dog ate the homework story about, well, I left for a while, and Alan called me and said he was going, would I sign in for him? And I know Alan, I trust him, and blah, blah, blah. But but all I, but I was away for a while, and so maybe he didn't come. I don't know. It may have been during the time I went to see the doctor. But he kind of threw John uh, Clark under the bus, it seems to me, by saying he said he was going to be there, and that's all I know. And then now Johnson hasn't directly answered that I've seen the question of did he actually go. He's had some sycophants on it. He's moaning mightily on his Facebook page about a wonderful guy he is and how ethical he is and how his friends have betrayed him in the Senate and so on. But he won't answer the key question about whether he was there. But one of his sycophants said something to the effect of, well, he intended to go. But then he fell ill. He felt sick and he went back to his apartment. And so somehow... That justifies asking for money because you meant to go. You you really wanted to go. There are a lot of things that I'd like to get credit for going to that I didn't didn't go to just by saying, "Well, I I wanted to go to your funeral, but sorry, I just I just couldn't get there," you know. So I don't know. I, I do have it on good information that some law enforcement agencies are continuing to review this, as well as Trent Garner's uh, claim of. Uh, not claim of his working for the public defender commission, which is illegal because he was a Senator when he took the job and 
getting paid $10,000. So I'm not ready to say there's any indication that this could lead to a criminal charge in either case, but it could lead at least to a full disclosure of exactly what happened and who said what, when, and who did what. And whether Trent Garner should be made to pay the money, 10000 back that he got paid double dipping from the state. Uh, because we didn't record last week, we didn't talk about news that is more than a week old, and, and that's the Arkansas Times uh, losing in, uh, in the U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals, the Eighth Circuit, our challenge of the state law that, uh, that requires contractors with the state to pledge not to boycott Israel. Yeah, and you know, boy, did we lose conclusively at the Eighth Circuit, like a nine-to-one vote of the entire court against us. Of course, they're all a bunch of Republicans, but they bought this notion that somehow this was an economic activity and not a First Amendment expression. And and I, I mean, I I don't get it. I think they're wrong. The ACLU thinks they're wrong, but and we're going to appeal to the U.S. Supreme Court. But I think two things. I think one chances of the court taking the case are remote because they don't take many cases. And two, if they do take it, given the makeup of this Supreme Court, I'm not exactly sure we could count on a a ringing defense of the First Amendment. It seems to be, uh, I think maybe if if we could argue that it was our religious right not to sign this pledge, maybe we'd have a shot. I don't know. Uh, And finally, Heath Helton, assistant chief for the Little Rock Police Department, has applied for the chief's position. I noticed you said on tweet on Twitter that you thought his odds were even. Well, I think, you know, and some of this may be my point of view as opposed to the mayor's point of view, who will make the decision. But this is a department that has been in turmoil for three years. Uh, partly because of a, a division in the ranks. Helton has been there 26 years in command for seven years. I haven't heard anybody say anything bad about him. I could see where some people who are not happy with the police department in the community might feel reassured by the hiring of a guy with a 26-year record in the department who, as best we can tell, seems middle of the roadish. I noticed on his application that I got a copy of today that he talked about he's a believe, big believer in racial, gender, and ethnic diversity. So, I mean, he knows the, he knows the catch words for the Scott administration anyway. But uh, I don't know how else to say it, but would Frank Scott appoint a white guy to be police chief? I mean, he's really been a a real advocate for increasing the diversity of people at at leadership positions in city government. And so uh, there'd be that. And I I don't know what I don't know is how Helton stands with the black police officers association. I suspect he's okay with the, with the FOB, the fraternal order of police, but I just don't know. So, so, but I I just still think in terms of you're going to appoint somebody police chief before the election in an election where your best funded opponent, is talking all about the mess of the police department and crime. I think a way to take a little starch out of Steve Lander's campaign would be to appoint a guy like Heath Helton, who looks like a safe, a safe figure. That's just my, that's my thinking. All right, well, let's leave it there and move on to endorsements. What do you got this week? 
Oh man, I, you know, I've just been so consumed with awful news. I mean, I, I don't, I don't have anything. I actually, I watched a, a little series of shows with Samuel Jackson, which he plays this demented old man who gets this experimental drugs treatment and gets his memory back for a while. And it, it sets off a, a series of events of, oh, solving a murder and doing good and getting poor people rich and. It was, it was, I love Samuel L. Jackson. I mean, I just think he's a great actor. And this was, it was, I can't even remember the name of it, but it was good. Uh, well, I, I probably endorsed this before, but it's, it's seasonal. So I'll, I'll do it again. Uh, Elsa, the beloved Honduran food truck that's about to become a brick and mortar restaurant, does a summer special where they have long sliced watermelon and sliced peaches. And sometimes they throw in other stuff. It's usually that that's drenched in lime juice and coated in tahine, the the spice blend that I think is is dried lime and and uh, and cayenne and maybe some other stuff. Yeah, it's it's a little hot. Yeah, yeah, it's a little spicy. Um, and it's it is just the greatest summer treat. You could make it at home, obviously, pretty easy yourself. Uh, watermelon. I've been eating a lot of watermelon peaches. and peaches. Yeah. I haven't been shaking any tahine on it, however. Yeah, it's, it gives it a nice kick, especially with that, that lime juice. It's It works. We've been doing this peach truck mail order thing, which is, is a little, I don't know, I mean, it's a little traitorous, I guess, to get Georgia peaches, but uh, it's nice to get this big box. So you get, I don't know, four boxes over the summer. We've been through two boxes of them already. One of them was kind of a free because, they said it got held too long in the truck and they weren't going to send it. But then they said, well, we're going to send it to you for free anyway. And, and they were, they were fine. We just got through. I just had a peach cobbler and then a peach crisp and then a peach meringue last night. We've just been eating peach after peach after peach. Pretty good. Oh, stuff. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm going to load up on peaches tomorrow. All right. Well, uh, be safe out there. Happy 4th of July. And we'll be back with you next week. See you later. Bye.